Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Man, we're just so excited about how God is already doing amazing things in people's lives. We're going to talk about a little bit of that today. In fact, uh, in in the Bible, in Luke chapter 14, it talks about a great banquet. And there's a number of people that are invited. And so God uh, talks about uh, a man who sends his servant out. And he says, "I've, I've got this banquet planned. I want you to go out and find these people. And so the servant goes out and he finds these people. As he's looking for these people, as he approaches each one of them and tells them about this great thing that he has, different ones start making different excuses. Now, how many guys, uh, how many, how many of y'all got FOMO? Anybody got FOMO in here? Fear of missing out? You don't want to be on the outskirts of everything. You want to know, you want to be right in the middle of it. See, my wife, she's amazing, but she has this thing that she does, and my mom does it too, actually, where they want all the details to the conversations I had. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So someone will tell me something. My wife goes, well, then what did you say? I said, I don't know. Well, where were they when they found out? I don't know. Well, what happened after? I don't know. Well, why didn't you ask more questions? Because if they wanted me to have more information, they would have told me more. Sometimes I think it's a guy thing, but whatever. But as we were looking at Luke 14, all these different people had all these different excuses. And so that one of them was like, oh no, I can't go to that banquet. I got this thing I got to do. One of them said, oh, I got family and this other thing. One of them even said, I got this new, some new stuff for my fields. I got to go tend to that. So the servant comes back to the master and he says, uh, he says, all these people are kind of busy. Like they don't want to come. Now, listen, y'all, I don't know about you guys, but it don't take a whole lot to get me to a dinner table. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Hey, yo, it can be the worst of the worst pizza. I'm still showing up, you know, but he says, so we actually pick up in Luke 14, 21. So the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has already been done, but there's still more room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited but did not come will get the taste of my banquet. And I think at some point, what happens to us is, maybe TC was the first church you've ever been to. We're we're the only church that I've ever been a part of that over 50% of the people in the church got saved at the church. And that's a phenomenal compliment and a testimony of your stories how God has radically transformed your life. Absolutely. That means if you're new here and you're looking around the room and you think all these people got it together, (laughs) you are wrong. Because I'm the first in line of people who still need Jesus every day. But what happens is we come into this life and and as we come into this life, what, what could happen if you're not careful? is you become so consumed by needing God so much that you don't realize that at some point 
You go from being the invitee to the inviter. You go from being the brought to becoming the bringer. You go from being the sitter at the table to being the sender to get more people to the table. And I'm here to tell you today that as we are moving into this portion of our series, I want you to open up your mind and your heart. Listen to what God has to say today. For some of us, we've been so consumed with the fact that we're not perfect yet that we don't think we have anything to offer lost people because how could I help them if I still need help? Listen to the pastor of this church today. I still need help. But even while I need help, Jesus is gonna use me to impact somebody else's life. And as we see about the great banquet, it's man, let's grab a hold of the opportunity to reach lost people and to see their life impacted with the same hope, the same truth, the same peace, the same joy, the same blessing, the same opportunity, and the same gospel that transformed our life. And so if you're here today, we want you to know you belong before you believe. And this is a safe space where God wants to meet you and he wants you to meet him. And so we invite you on this journey with us. We're also celebrating day number eight of our 21 days of prayer right now. And uh, it's been fantastic, man. We've been meeting Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. at our offices and God has been meeting us there, y'all. I'm here to tell you, we're already seeing prayer, uh, praise reports come in of how God is answering prayers in this 21 days of prayer. Today's day eight. If you want more details on any of that, you can go to mytc.life and you can get all of that information. But here's what I wanna leave you with this nugget before we get ready to move into the next part of our service. For many of us, prayer is our last resort. For many of us, we do all we can do. Anybody ever heard that phrase? You do all you can do, baby. And when you got nothing left, just pray. I'm here to tell you, before you start any of what you can do, pray. Before you try to make anything happen on your own, pray. Before you use your own force, your own mind, your own willpower, everything you've got, before you gas out, pray. Before you run out, pray. Because God is our strength, He is our source, and He is our power. And if you wanna realize something, here's what I know. You will always run into things in your life you can't change. But the difference between what you can do and what God can do, that's called prayer. And if you wanna tap in to the supernatural strength and the supernatural power and provision that God has for you, it's not gonna come through your willpower, it's gonna come through your prayer power. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today, good? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So hey, listen, we are beyond excited to be stepping into the Heart of the House series. And man, we just know that God is doing and can, going to continue to do amazing things in and through uh, our lives. And so as we get ready to step into what we have today, go and take out your sermon notes. And we're going we're gonna to jump straight in to Luke 15. And so what happens is uh, in our culture code at TC, we have what we call the culture code. And it's 11 statements that define who we are. It's what we believe. It's what we grab a hold of. And it's the truths that we carry. Matter of fact, it kind of helps steer and guide our mission to make sure that we're always on track. And so uh, as we navigate through this culture code, we're going to give you guys 11 different statements as we move through the next month or so. And as we do that, help you see exactly who we are as a church and what we're buying into, and hopefully help promote what God wants to do in our life. And they all come from chapter 15 of the book of Luke, all right? And so Luke 15, 23, 24, there's a story of the prodigal son, uh, or the story of two sons. You may have heard it or have read it. There's a story of a son comes to his father who is wealthy and says, I want my inheritance now. And so his father actually gives it to him, and he goes and squanders it away. 
And so he spends it on all kinds of stupid stuff. Any guys ever spent money on stupid stuff before? If you said anything to your spouse, they can affirm that, okay? So I'm the spender in my house. My wife is the saver. And so about once a month or so, because she's, she's a state employee, so she gets paid once a month. So about the third week of every month, I get this text message in all caps, stop spending money, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation there's like 10 of them. And I text her back, I'm like, first of all, one exclamation point would have been fine. You can stop with that passive aggressive stuff. But in all honesty, I, I am very much that person. She's a saver, I'm the spender. But this guy goes out and spends everything he's got. And so we pick up in verse 23 and 24, because he actually comes back home. Once he realizes he got nothing, he comes back to his father. And this is where we pick it up. His father says, as he runs to embrace him, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost, but now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. And so uh, I, one of the things that I love more than anything in the world is uh, going and getting free food. Anybody, food. anybody love food in here? Okay, good. I'm in the right spot. You know what my favorite place in the entire world to go in the, food, uh, in the mall is? I already spoiled it for you. Food court, right? Why? Because when I was younger, I would go with my friends. See, my parents would take me and my friends, and we figured out if we all wore hats and jackets, we could make one lap and get the samples, but then we could switch hats and make another lap. Then we switched jackets and made another lap, right? By the time you're done, you got a whole meal. You ain't spend no money. But how many, how many of y'all know what the best food in the food court is? Go ahead. Anybody? Chinese food, right? It's the best food in the food court. If you disagree, you're wrong, and we'll pray for you, okay? So, but it, it, it really is. Like, it, it's so good. And so what happened is, uh, how many of you guys know that uh, those samples, they hit a little different, don't they? Like, you could have just ate dinner. doesn't matter. You're full. But the minute they hold out that toothpick, it's on. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm, listen, we're here for a good time, not a long time, okay? So, like... And, and I, think, I think she judges me, the, the girl with the samples. I think she judges me when she sees me because she's got plenty of toothpicks on that plate in, stuck in some samples. But when she sees me, she goes digging around for the big piece, which I feel partially judged and excited at the same time. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. So, but how many of y'all know? It hits a little different, don't it? That sweet and spicy sauce. It's always fresh out the fryer. I don't know what they sprinkle on it. Maybe it's drugs. I don't know, but it's just addicting. But how many, it just, it, it's always, it doesn't matter how hungry you are or are not, those samples are fire. And one thing I know about us as believers is we should be that way with the people in our life. You see, we should be the type of people who are constantly dishing out samples of what we got that they want. Something inside of us, the Jesus that we have, we should constantly be dishing out these samples of Jesus. We, matter of fact, they, 
It should hit a little different. In other words, we should be looking for people that we can give samples to, that as we give samples to these people, we start looking for the ones that are looking for more. Ever notice how you go to the girl that's giving the samples out and she's, she can tell which one of you hadn't ate yet. She's like, we got the full three meat platter with fried rice for $7.99. And you're like, man, I just ate an hour ago. But you know what? I think I'll have some. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. And they, they look for people who need what they have. Hear me today. We should be looking for people who need what we have. And so we're on this mission. And so it's this idea at TC, this, our very first code we're going to bring to you today is this idea that it's about just one more. Turn to your neighbor and say, just one more. Just one more. It's all about just one more. And with each code, we have a tagline that goes with it. And this is it right here. We will spare no expense because just one more is worth it. Hear me today. You are worth whatever we have to do to reach you with Jesus. Your life is worth everything that we may pour in to make sure that you meet the Jesus that we know. Your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your mom, your dad, whoever, they're worth everything we could do to reach one more person for Jesus. Whatever we have to do to reach lost people, we're going to do it. We may spend $10,000 on an Easter egg hunt to reach our community, and if one person gets saved, every penny was worth it. We may spend money on a Christmas by the bay where we go out there behind the Wahoo Stadium and do a whole Christmas presentation, and if one person, only one person comes to Jesus through all that work and everything we did, it's worth it because just one more is always worth it. And we'll spare no expense at reaching lost people for Jesus. It blows my mind when I see churches and people in in different positions and religious affiliations that they can't afford to do outreach because they're too busy paying pastors. And it's like, We're here for one reason and one reason only. And let me tell you this. If there ever came to a moment in this church where you couldn't pay me or I couldn't be on staff, I'm going to still preach the gospel every week because one person is worth it. I don't do this for a check. I do this for the change. I do this for people. And so we got to get plugged in. And so what does that look like? We want to give that to you today. Three different ways that we can admit and acknowledge how we can reach just one more. First thing, go ahead and take out your notes today, is we will be a sample for the searching. We'll be a sample for the searching. Just like we talked about with the food courts, we're going to introduce samples. We're going to introduce people. We're going to be the taste. We're going to be the the test. We're going to show people what it is. Matter of fact, Psalms 34.8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, the thing is, is there are many people that we're going to come across that are going to need a demonstration of who God is before they get a revelation of who God is. There are many people that we're going to come across that they're going to only see God in you before they hear about God from you. They want to know who God is to you. They don't want to know who God is in this book. They don't want to know what the Bible says yet. They want to know what you have to say that God is. And we are to be the sample. We should help them taste and to see. To see is to look or to consider or inspire. 
expect, like see how good God is. And hear me for a second. God should be so alive in us that when people get a taste of us, all they've done is tasted the wholeness of who Jesus is. They should look at us and see the little bit of peace and go, what kind of, what peace is that that you have no matter what you're going through? And all they get is a big picture of who Jesus is. They should see your joy and get all of who Jesus is out of the little bit. You should be the taste test of the big, amazing, grand person that Jesus is. We got to be a sample. Do people get around us and want more of Jesus? Or do people get around us and just want less of us? You see, we should be a sample. Hear me today. People are searching for Jesus. And they don't even know it's Jesus they're looking for. They just know they're looking for something bigger than what they got. It's the reason people are depressed on Instagram. Call it the Insta scam. Make everybody, make everything look great on Instagram, don't they? Like, man, this person just got it together. No, they're depressed and suicidal. You just don't know it yet. But you're judging your behind the scenes to their highlight reel. And so you feel worse about being you, not realizing that if you could tap into who God wants you to be, you could help reach that person and so many more if we would buy into being the taste test for Jesus. Next, we go from being the sitter to being the sender. Go from being the sitter to the sender. You want to know where I think people's faith gets tested almost more than anything else? Traffic. I was in traffic the other day. Go ahead and tell you. If you saw me, you may have questioned me being your pastor. I'm not going to lie to you. But I was sitting there, and I was at a red light. Turn a lane. Turn a left. Got to wait for the arrow. So I'm sitting there. I'm the fourth car in line. Now, I don't know what the guy at the front of the line was doing, but paying attention wasn't on his radar. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I'm sitting there, and uh, as I'm sitting there, the light turns green. Nothing. And so I'm honking, because how many of y'all know you don't get stuck in traffic when you got nowhere to be, right? Get off early from work, you catch green lights all the way home. Be late going to work, and it's like a traffic jam where there's no cars ever. And so I was running a little behind, so I'm sitting there honking my horn, hey, hey, let's go. Let's, you know, like, just move. Doesn't move. All of a sudden, I guess he looked up and saw, oh, the light is green, just in time for it to turn yellow. He made it through. The second car made it through. Y'all see where this is going. Now hear me for a second, y'all. The car in front of me, how many of y'all know there's dangerous drivers and then there's good drivers and then there's that category overly cautious drivers, the ones that come to a complete stop before they turn right? Like, you could have just rolled through that turn, but you had to, okay. I got caught behind, it was an overly, number three was an overly cautious driver. Because hear me for a second, both of us could have made it through that yellow light, y'all. But he stopped. Stuck again. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all been there before, don't judge me. I've seen, yep, I've been next to you, y'all in traffic. I can see what y'all was saying. Y'all had the white knuckle steering wheel grip. <laughs> and so, I was sitting there, but... Traffic will get you. But here's one thing that I know. Many of us are red light Christians when we need to become highway Christians. What I mean by that is this. Is 
God has this desire to put you on a mission to constantly be moving, looking for people that need to know who he is. And this is what many of us pray. You're probably guilty. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you've probably said this prayer before when you woke up. God, show me who I need to talk to about Jesus today and I'll do it. Let me go ahead and tell you something. Our prayer needs to be, God, I'm going to talk to every person I see about Jesus today. And if there's somebody that I don't need to talk to, show me who they are. Stop asking for God to show you the right people. Hear me today. Every person's the right person to talk to about who Jesus is in your life. And pray that God would say, hey, if there's someone, God, that's not ready to hear me yet, show me those people and I won't talk to them. And I'm going to go ahead and fill you in. There's no person that God is not ready for you to share the gospel with today. God wants you to be looking for every person. And many of us are at stoplights in our faith waiting for God to say go so that we can talk to someone about Jesus. And we should be on a constant mission, on a highway of bringing the gospel and the good news to people because they need it. We should live on mission. We should drive on mission. We should go on mission. Every person that we come in contact with, there's a waiter today. There's a waitress today. There's someone at the gas pump today. There's someone somewhere today that needs to know who Jesus is. And if you're waiting for this audible voice from God to rain down from heaven and say, this is the one you should talk to. You're never going to get it. But if you live on mission and every person you come in contact with is a potential person that you could reach for Jesus, we live in a state of going, sending like we're on a highway rather than being at red lights, just hoping we catch a green light every now and then with the gospel. Man, we should be in a constant state Ascending. Luke 14, 23 puts it like this. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges. This is the verse we read earlier. And compel people to come in. Why? So that my house might be filled. God wants a full house full of people just like us that are looking for the hope that can come from God. I don't know where some of you are. Some of you are new. This is your first time here walking into this church setting. And I'm here to tell you today, God has been waiting for you and looking for you so that he can introduce you to all the hope in the world that only comes from him. Now, there's two things that happen at a, a gas pump. I figured out two different people groups, all right? So there's two different people groups that go to gas pumps. And, and really, all I've noticed, I hadn't quite figured out all of them, but I've nailed down two. There's white people. Then we got our African-American brothers and sisters. Now, Hispanic, Asian, all that, I ain't nailed this down yet, but I got these two covered, all right? So white dudes at the gas pump do this right here. They tuck in their bottom lip, and they nod their head yes one time when they see you. See somebody new? How you doing, Frank? Good, Bill. Right? But my black brothers and sisters, it's a little different. See, y'all use a, any three-letter word will do. I found this out. And it's one head nod up. So you see someone, you see, if I were to see Tremaine at the gas station, what's up? Or, yeah. Y'all haven't said nothing else, but yeah. Hey, any of that'll do. So now that you have this education... You can start off a conversation with anyone at the gas pump. You know it's either Bill or, hey, 
Let me tell you about Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. But all that, all that to say is we should be in this state of constantly sending. I know that's a joke, but you never know who you're going to be pumping gas next to, eating food next to, sitting in a room next to at a dentist's office. You never know, but hear me today. Separate where you are in your mind because life has a way of distracting all of us with pain, doesn't it? How many of those circumstances and situations can blind us to what our true mission is? And that's to introduce lost people to this amazing hope that we have inside of us. Which brings us to our next one. Number three is that we should be living for what we're giving. We should be living for what we're giving. It is in our nature to try to obtain as many things as possible in this life before God takes us. And I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't have nice things. Listen, I have a house. I have a beautiful, amazing, talented, creative, gorgeous, amazing, did I say that? Wife. She's a five foot two stick of dynamite. Don't try her. She will shank you. Okay, so. But I have an amazing wife. I have a house. I have a car. I'm not the person telling you you're not supposed to have anything. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the minute we start trying to build a kingdom on this earth, we forget we were never made for it. And God wants to take us to amazing places. And he even wants us to live a life where we're more focused on what we're looking for. Because hear me today, you can't take any of this with you when you die. Your house, your car, your bank account, your retirement, your 401k, none of that. Your degree, none of it goes with you when you die. But you know what does? People. And when I get before God and I'm standing in heaven, all I want to see is people that God used me to touch their life and know that I made a difference in every single one of their families and in every single one of them to make sure that lost people got to heaven. Because I want to be living for what I'm giving. You want to know what one of my favorite places in the whole world is? Not the food court. We've been there. Okay, so you want to know what one of my, other pla- one of my favorite places is? Krispy Kreme. See? Oh, boom, boom, boom. Yep, I got you all. Y'all with me, right? I remember the first time I ever went to Krispy Kreme, I was mesmerized by this conveyor belt of donuts. Y'all know, have y'all ever been there? They just flow out. It's like a steady movement of fried dough and sugar. And I remember it goes through that waterfall glaze. Come on, somebody. Listen, I just stare at that all day long. Just look at you. Look at you flowing all nice with your sugary frosting. See, the Lord is moving. Amen. Look at it. Boom, boom, boom. But I like, honestly, I, I you know, y'all ever heard people say, I'm no respecter of persons. The God's no respecter. He'll choose anybody. I'm no respecter of donuts. <laughs> I like them all. Okay. So, and, but I do like other donuts too. The problem is when I go to other donut places, right? is they got all kinds of creative donuts. They got these ba- uh, bacon maple donuts, peanut butter and jelly donuts. Like, what y'all doing over here? Cinnamon roll donuts. Like, if I want a cinnamon roll donut, I'd have probably just got a cinnamon roll, but we can roll with this anyways, right? I'm no respecter of donuts. I like them all. The problem is, once you get your favorite, sometimes you go to some of them donut shops, and their menu has changed for the day. Or they ran out of your favorite flavor. Anybody ever been in that situation? Boy, just send me home and put me on the couch because it's not a good day anymore, right? So, 
But you go and sometimes you, you're standing in front of them and you're, you're like, man, this isn't, I, I was really looking for the maple bacon, but all you got left is the peanut butter and jelly. But a Krispy Kreme, steady flow, baby. Fried dough with sugary glaze. And what I love is you don't have to chew them. I remember I went there with my wife a little while back, and we had some friends in from out of town. And uh, there was only three of us, me and my wife and and this girl from New Jersey. And uh, she said, I said, how many do you want? That's what she said. I said, just get a dozen. And she said, a dozen? And I was thinking in my mind, does anyone not do that? Like, who goes to Krispy Kreme and gets a half dozen? You can eat these for a week. Microwave, 10 seconds with a wet paper towel on top. Boom, fresh, just like you just got it from there. Okay, but anyway, that's not the point. You're welcome. But anyway, so I remember going and, and looking, and it started to remind me of something, though. See, for many of us, we've bought into this. The people that are making the greatest impact in the world around them are like Krispy Kreme. They're a conveyor, del- conveyor belt of people constantly looking for who they can change next. They're constantly looking for the next person that needs Jesus, the next person that needs hope, the next person that needs joy, the next person that needs peace, the next person that needs the gospel, the next person that needs more Jesus. They need to know about the God that we serve. They need to know about the hope that can come from him. They need to know that whatever they're going through in life can all be handed over to someone that's stronger than them, better than them, bigger than them, bigger than their circumstances because people don't need something better in their life. They need something bigger than the circumstances in their life, and that's God. And there are people that live like a Krispy Kreme conveyor belt, just dishing out Jesus one at a time, just looking for who they can change. Too many of us, our faith is inconsistent like a donut shop where people are going to show up to our doorstep looking for Jesus, but they don't know who they're going to get. And so they come, and you've been talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, and they walk in and say, hey, listen, I really need that Jesus, but because we've had a bad day, we don't have enough to give him. Because we ran out, so all we got left is us. Man, can we buy into the fact that there is never a day where we're not looking to introduce lost people to the Jesus that lives on the inside of us. We're looking for just one more. And today, my whole world may turn into chaos. Hell may literally look like it's coming against me, but I'm still not going to lose track that today I'm going to reach just one more. Today I'm going to touch just one more person. Today I'm going to talk to just one more person about Jesus because their life has to be impacted by the gospel. And I'll never stop living. As long as I'm breathing, I'm looking for lost people. As long as I'm breathing, I'm looking for someone that needs the hope of Jesus. As long as there's breath inside of me, I'm going to bring lost people to to the throne room of God and watch him change their life the same way he did mine. I'm looking just one more because I'm living for what I'm giving. Matthew 9, 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There is plenty of harvest out there, but the workers are few. He said, there's plenty of your family members that are ready to meet Jesus. There's just not anyone in your family yet that's willing to talk to him about him. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. In other words, you talk to God and say, God, I'm ready. Send me. Just one more. One more family member. One more friend. One more coworker. One more neighbor. Make it everything that you live for. 
And we talk about being on mission. One of the ways that I love seeing uh, our church on mission is in small groups. They meet in groups. And, and as they build relationships with each other around all kinds of stuff, what happens is God starts to take those relationships and all of a sudden they start to be on mission together. And one of our amazing stories that we have is from one of our women whose name is Katie, who's been running a small group for a few semesters now. And she talks about her joy of being in a small group, but also her joy of being in a relationship and what it feels like to be on mission, knowing that God is creating impact through our stories. And we have that for you to watch. So let's go ahead and roll it, guys. Let's see what Katie's story is. I think we've been doing book club for about two years now. I think this may be the third year. I think one of the things that I enjoy is we get involved into these characters. I mean, I'll bring up Twilight. I mean, Twilight, it was like Team Jacob or, you know, um, Team Edward or something. Um, I love seeing what the character becomes or becoming that character and then dreaming about it. And then talking to everybody that's a part of the small group, seeing that side of other people of, oh, they really get into the book like I do. Like, I can't believe you did this. This last time around, I was more, I was more okay with, okay, it's small group. Like, I'm ready for the summer program. Um, and I'm ready to see, like, if we're gonna get new people. And I think that was one of the things that I was afraid of too. It's like, I'm gonna open up to these people. Like, are they really gonna like me for me? You have to do life with people. And if you don't do life with people, then you're never gonna know if you can overcome it. And I think that's one of the other things that I love about the small group is some of the times, yeah, it is a book club small group, but it's still life and you still have things that go on. I didn't realize though, becoming a small group leader, like what it does, um, you become family to these people and they become, I mean, they, they take a special place in your heart. Man, I love watching how small groups changes people's lives. I love watching how people get plugged in. And honestly, I, me and my wife, we, leave, uh, we lead a marriage small group. I love watching how God comes into people's marriages and it doesn't even mean people's marriages were terrible. But how many of you guys know we can be better in our relationships? And man, through small groups, we've seen that happen. I, I love Katie's story. So I wanna give you this real quick because we've talked about one more, like just one more. Turn to your neighbor and say, just one more. Now turn to the person on the other side of you you just neglected, right? Tell them, just one more. You see, it's all about just one more, but sometimes that can be stressful, right? Pastor Brad, I don't know how to share the gospel with people. Like, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? I'm going to look dumb. That's not necessarily true, but I want to give you four things that can help. Number one, we talk about how do I share Jesus? Number one, we got to accept the personal responsibility. Listen, if Jesus is in your life, you are now responsible to take Jesus to someone else's life. That's the Bible. Can't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what the word says. Go therefore into all the nations. Preach the gospel and make disciples. That's what we do. And so, we, number one, we just gotta accept that it's our responsibility. The second thing, build a personal relationship. Now listen, I'm not a big fan of the turn or burn preachers on the street corner. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Turn or burn, you're all going to hell. I don't know that's the best way to take the gospel to people. 
I applaud their courage. I don't know if they're effective. But we got to build a personal relationship with these people. Talk to them. What's their name? Who are they? Sometimes you just drop the gospel. You meet some stranger at a gas pump. Bill. But sometimes you get an opportunity to know who they are before you start trying to reach into the world. So build a relationship when you get that chance. Number three, share your personal story. Now I want to take just a second on this one. Because we all have a story about how good God is. Listen, most people don't want to know what the Bible says about God. They want to know what you have to say about God. Most people aren't concerned whatsoever with the scriptures and the book of Romans and who God is and how he created the universe and whether or not he actually put two animals on the ark. Most of them don't care about one of those things. They want to know the last time you were in a crisis, did you lean on God or away from him? That's what they want to know. And they want to know how God came through for you if he did. They want your personal story. Many of you have heard this before, but I'm going to give it to you again because it's the best way I know how to communicate how you could do something like this. I talk about food a lot, not a secret, and I don't hide it. Hey, so, but one of my favorite places to go, we were just there the other day, Tuscan Oven. Anybody ever been there? Y'all have it? Okay. Y'all need to go. I went to Tuscan Oven the other day. One of the things I love about Tuscan Oven is they make the dough. You can see them making it, real thin dough. They make it, put the sauce on, the cheese, spices and oils. And then they got one of those dome brick ovens that they slide it in. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so it gets really hot, really fast. And when you're in the restaurant, you can see the oven. You can even see them making the pizza if you watch. So you can watch as they make the pizza and they slide yours in. And then if it cooks really fast. And so it gets, and then you can see the cheese bubbling on the inside. And so then they pull the pizza out and they cut it and they're bringing it to the table. And as they're bringing it to you, you can see the steam coming off. You know, it's hot. You know, it's fresh. It's so good. And then as they bring it to your table, right, uh, the cheese is still melting. So you grab that first slice. And I, and, and I went in and I grabbed that first slice. And as I did, you, the, you had the cheese waterfall. And I set it on my plate. But then what do you got to do, right? You got to gather the cheese because that ain't up for grabs, right? That's mine. That's my slice. So the, you got to cut it and get it all. And maybe you pull some from the other slice, but that's someone else's, so it don't matter. So you, you get it on your plate. And so I, I got it on my plate and you know, it's too hot to pick up. And so you still, you got a fork and knife the first four bites, right? So you fork, and then uh, you put that bite in and oh, I could taste the garlic and the oregano, the salt and pepper. Yeah, there it is. Let the, let the Lord move on you. And you can tell they made the sauce from scratch to the tomatoes. And then the, the crust was real thin. So it was, it was you, you got a lot of the cheese taste and that pepperoni. And my wife complains about grease. I think that's flavor, so I'm not worried about it. How many of y'all thinking about that pizza right now? Right? Like some of y'all are like, what time is it? We can go. Hurry up, Pastor. Wrap this up. Now, how many of you felt judged because you hadn't had the pizza I had? How many of you felt like I was beating you up because you haven't experienced pizza the way I experienced pizza? How many of you did I make feel like I had all the answers on pizza? No. All I did was tell you about how good something was that I got a taste of. And today, people don't need all the details and answers 
as much as they want to know, is Jesus real to you? When you got a taste of God, what was it like? How did he change your life? I'm in a hopeless situation and I need hope. Did God give you hope? And when you say, yes, he gave me hope, they say, I need some hope. Or did he give you peace? Or did he give you joy? Or did he give you gentleness? Did, what, what did God give you? And whenever you step in, you say, listen, I don't know if God, I don't know what he can do. I don't know what he can't do. What I know is when I stepped into the light and I saw Jesus for the first time and he transformed my heart and he gave me a brand new start, everything changed. And I don't have all the answers and I don't know everything, but what I know is this is the greatest life I've ever lived. I don't know that I've even got every one of my problems solved. And I don't know that I can beat all my problems. What I know is I got someone that's bigger than my problems. And God has stepped into my life. And they don't, again, they don't need to know what the Bible says yet. They don't even need to know all the details. What they need to know is, do you believe what you got a taste of? And if you do, let them know how good it was. They need to know about Jesus. And they need to know how good he was to you. Which brings us to number four. Give a personal invitation. Hey, listen, you want to know God today? Yeah, I think I do. And let me pray for you right now. You know what the good part about praying with lost people is? They don't know if your prayer was terrible or not. So you could be like, repeat after me or something. They'd be like, okay, or something. Like, dear God, dear God, uh, forgive me, forgive me. Uh, I want a new start. I want a new start. I believe in you. I believe in you. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't have to, you don't have to like pretty it. It doesn't have to be all these things. Listen, but maybe that freaks you out a little bit. That's fine. You know what you can do? Invite them here. Because I can promise you there will never be a service that goes by where you don't get a chance to introduce people that are far from God to how good he is. So if you don't know how to do it or you're just too scared, do steps one through three, I'll take care of four. But man, let's watch God transform hearts and lives. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are Christ's ambassadors. We're his representatives to the lost world. I'll give you the story as we wrap up. I, for many of you know that have been around, my son Jabin, who passed away last year, he was sick for four years before he went to be with the Lord. As myself and my wife and my family has navigated through that difficulty, we've seen God use it in amazing ways. One of those ways, they got to speak at three different biker rallies. So they would have these things where they would do a poker run for motorcycles and essentially it's just a big fundraiser. And one time one of them came to me and said, hey, listen, uh, we're gonna do this poker run and we're gonna do a fundraiser for your family. I want you to come speak at the event. I said, awesome. I said, one, under one condition, I'm going to talk about Jesus. And he said, I don't know if they're going to want to hear that. I said, that's irrelevant. I'm going to talk about Jesus. He says, all right, fine, you got it. So I get to the event. There's three different ones, but this one particular event, over a thousand people were there. And as I stood up there in front of a thousand people, tears in my eyes because it was still difficult to even talk about. My son who was sick and couldn't walk and couldn't talk anymore. I stood up there and I said, I want you guys to know something. 
Number one, I'm grateful for what you're giving me, but I'm not worried about what you're giving me. I'm here to let you know about what I have to give you. And some of you have been looking for something in your life and you haven't been able to find it. Some of you have been looking for this big empty hole in your chest to get filled and you've been looking everywhere trying to do that, but you haven't found out that the only thing can fill it is God. And I think that there's a number of reasons why my son may be sick and I can't do anything about that. But what I can tell you is I believe that the God of the universe allowed something like that to happen, not just so that I could be here, but he would take what I'm going through and use it to bring a message to you. And if he hadn't got sick, I wouldn't be standing in front of you. So hear me for a second. When I tell you that God loves you so much that he would do anything to get to you. And today, if you want to know him, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to let you know that every sin you've committed in your life, Jesus paid for it at the cross. And if you want to know God today, all you have to do is believe in him and he'll forgive you and he'll bring you into his family. And I said, who wants to do that today? Out of a thousand people, 120 hands shot in the air and said, I want Jesus in my life. Hear me today. People don't care about all the details. They just want God. You know what the beautiful part is? We've got him. Can we admit today and acknowledge we're going to go on a mission for just one more? You guys ready to join me today? I said, are you ready to join me today? Let's watch God transform people's hearts and lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. You've given a fresh start and a new beginning. We surrender to you today, and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you're here with everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you need that same thing that all those people, those 120 needed at that rally, you need a fresh start, you need a new beginning, you need God. You know there's sin in your life. We've all been there. But what you know is that you need to be forgiven and you need God to give you a new beginning. If that's you, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you. And today, if that's you, right where you sit, I'm going to count to three. And if you want God in your life, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, right now. Yes, awesome. Yes, yes. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Like I said, we're not here to embarrass you. We just want to pray for you today. Is there more that says, that's me, pastor. I just want God in my life. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. Yes, awesome. Maybe you're watching us online right now. And you say, that's me. I need something new. I need a fresh start. Here's what we're going to do. I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And this prayer is putting words to the actions of your heart that you're putting in your faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross, he died for your sins and is giving you a brand new start. So let's pray today. Your whole church, brothers and sisters, are gonna pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. So friends, family, let's pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. Awesome, awesome, awesome.
Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.